Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. And welcome day after dynamite with Will Washington. I am that Will Washington I just mentioned. And I'm not alone here. I am joined by Fightful Overbook's own Haley. Haley, thanks for being here on Day After Dynamite. Thanks for having me, Will. We've been trying to do this for a while, and you know you had... You had my tag talk co-host Kylie on here. So, you know, I've been trying to get on the show for a bit. <laughs> yes. And now you're here and uh, I, I've completed the, I was going to say circle, but it's just two people. So it's the, it's the tag talk tandem. We've completed that here. Um, but thank you for being here on Day After Dynamite. I appreciate you. And thank you everybody for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, just leave us a thumbs up there real quick. Uh, it's a very quick thing to do, and then we're done here as far as that process is concerned. But there's other things. If you want to be a part of this show and get your voice heard on this show and and uh, and help support what we do, uh, you can send us a super chat. YouTube.com slash Fightful is the way to send us a super chat. And we've got – do I have a super chat yet as an example? I always like to pull one up. Of course I do because um, we've got uh, Louisville. Oh, that's cool. Uh, says, uh, Swerve should be the person to retire Sting. That's an interesting one. Um, Ryan Lambert says, Cole is finally becoming Keith, Keith Lee's manager. I've seen that joke quite a bit on <laughs> uh, on Twitter today, and that's a very good one. And I'm pulling up the Humper Chats now. Uh, I had to close out a bunch of browser tabs because my camera was acting funny. And then also... Shout out to uh, the feedback I got on last week's show. So, of course, you know, I have the arcade behind me. It's always been there. But the screen of it has never been in the shot. And I had to move it because of my basement flooding last week. And I got a bunch of people saying to me, 
hey, it's actually kind of cool. You should keep it that way and then change out the game every week. So today's game playing behind me is my all-time favorite fighting game. It's Capcom versus SNK2, Mark of the Millennium, 2001. Uh, I truly believe the greatest fighter of all time, and that's what's going behind me there. So if you're a Capcom versus SNK guy, then enjoy that. Do you do the fighting games, Haley? Uh, you know, sometimes not so much anymore. I used to be really big on video games, but I feel like I need to get back into it. I mean, no, you don't. It's not anything that's it's not anything that's conducive to anyone's life. Like, honestly, if you've moved on with your life, then you should honestly feel good about that. You know <laughs> 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 um, because otherwise these things have a stranglehold on mine. This is not something like honestly teach me your ways as far as breaking away from from these things. Although I will say I saw um, that is the first podcast I've done since this past weekend because I didn't get to do after the week with Denise because Denise has been sick. Uh, but the this is the first show I've done since Mario uh, came out last week. And that was actually I thought it was really good. I think it was. As a wrestling fan, I recognize cheap pops when I see them. And that movie is nothing but cheap pops. But also, as a wrestling fan, cheap pops are freaking great. And uh, if you can get your audience to recognize a reference to go for things like that, then honestly, I, I think they did right by their audience. It's probably not a movie that anybody who doesn't play Mario games should bother with because it's literally just full of references and things to make you go oh that's the song from the mario show when i was a kid but i thought it was great for literally all of those things so there's there's my my short review here uh and caden says not a fan of back to back to back similar angles i don't know what you mean caden uh but I suppose we'll we'll discuss those things. Uh, AP sent in a humper chat. Let's go ahead and pull that up here. Uh, AP, thank you for the humper chat. This one says, uh, one for dad slash Will. Hey, I'm both of those things. <laughs> says, uh, hope you're well. There's a lot to like about AEW, but the writing slash story arc planning is so frantic. Does TK need to delegate slash hire? Felt like... Lee slash Swerve were thrown in cold. Elite leaving Cutler to get bloodied, illogical, etc. Um, so I, I suppose I'll I'll talk about the the Lee and Swerve stuff. In that, uh, of course, that got kicked off at the end of last year when Mogul Affiliates formed. And uh, when was that? That was in December, I believe. And then they, uh, it seemed like they were headed toward Revolution. Keith Lee returned on that rampage and then it ended up, the match never ended up happening. And then of course the rivalry got picked up last week or last night. And uh, my, my feeling on this at the moment is that it's going to be headed toward double or nothing that they are going to do the, the singles match between Keith Lee and Swerve and finally blow that feud off. And you've got six dynamites now to do that. And I think that there's more time to do that. I think, think what it was a case of was a, a couple of things i think um and sorry my my sally cells ringing so we'll go ahead and dodge 
that call. I don't know who that was, but uh, the I think it was a combination of two things. One was the Iron Man match taking up so much of revolution and realizing that the time wasn't going to exist on the pay-per-view to get Keith Lee and Swerve onto that show. So then it became, all right, well, let's then put a pause on that feud. And I also think that uh, we saw, of course, this past Friday, uh, the formation of the Mogul Embassy. And Swerve is now 51% owner of the embassy. He is now flanked by Prince Nana and Brian Cage, which I truly believe is a much better fit uh, mm -hmm. as far as he was concerned. I think that it's uh, right now Brian Cage is just a much better heater for him. And uh, I think it's a much better look. And to be honest, I think this was more of a move, in my opinion, of getting the pieces in order as far as Swerve's heel character is concerned, to then move forward with uh, the Keith Lee feud. And I think that's more what that had to do with. Um, and the idea of it, I guess, being thrown in cold, I think this is more reheating it up. I think if they just went into it the way they were going, I think it would have been colder than giving them both some more TV time and then moving forward with it, giving them six weeks. Now we've got six weeks to go toward uh, Double or Nothing rather than I think when Keith Lee returned, it was only going to be like, that was only like two weeks before Revolution. Had that ended up on the Revolution card, I think they would have had far less time to do what they want to do with it. So um, I know there are, there is, you know, plans for that. And so we'll see how that all shakes out. Um, Anonymous uh, sent one in and this one simply just says, and thank you Anonymous for your uh, super chat. It says, uh, everyone shut up. Tootie's fighting Miyu Yamashita in May, but first she has to beat Heather Reckless's tiny ass in a two out of three falls match on the 30th. Hmm. Is that one from Van Twinblade? Sounds like it is. But either way, uh, and we've got some others. Um, they're just uh, piling in now. I'll see them rolling in. <laughs> Yep, we got Corey says, great run of episodes from AEW. I feel Punk returning puts an invisible timer for when he derails the entire show for a third time. Hope I'm wrong. Uh, last year says, the women's tag match next week in Pittsburgh has to be the main event with Sheeta returning. She's ready and the story moves forward there, right? Um, I mean, my gut is that it's all going to center around Brit, that they're mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. It's her story. Um, that's, that's my thought there. Uh, and Vasco says, will he'll turn on games? Watch the new Zelda. Uh, I saw that the trailer dropped for Zelda. Um, and look, I'm not turning heel on games. I love gaming. I just recognize that it hasn't exactly been like a productive use of my time, but I love it. Are you kidding me? There's literally an arcade right behind me. There's a joystick on my desk. I have multiple controllers. I bought a Stadia controller. All right. I didn't buy this. I actually got it for free. Thank you, Google. Um, but I literally tried Stadia. Like, there's... Uh, right. Uh, there we go, I think. But anyway, uh, the, the amount of time and energy I've spent gaming is far more than I uh, would like to. But... Again, 
it's something I enjoy and I appreciate that people enjoy it. It's a thing I get to, to give to my kids as well. And we all have fun with the stuff we play. So game on, I, I still truly believe in gaming. It's just not a productive use of my time. Uh, shame monster says catching dad because I'm off after five and a half hours of wrestling in Milwaukee last night and home at 2 a.m. No voice. TK's a maniac for throwing more Ring of Honor tapings after Rampage with Vikingo versus Gringo Loco. I heard about that. Mm -hmm. um, I asked about that in the media scrum, the ROH media scrum last, uh, what was that? Just two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago tomorrow. Um, and I asked about what the taping schedule was going to end up being. And he mentioned that it's going to be a bit of a hybrid um, I think it's it's going to be tough to continue taping Ring of Honor at TV, and I don't know when the next uh, Orlando set of tapings is going to be. I think that's the better home for Ring of Honor for sure. I just don't know when that's going to be, but that's, I think, where it ideally needs to get back to, especially for those solo tapings. I think that the solo tapings for Ring of Honor were the best ones because you had a crowd that was there for Ring of Honor. Do you watch much Ring of Honor, Haley? I do. I, I used to be a big fan of like the old Ring of Honor, but I've mm -hmm. really been getting into it now that it's been relaunched and nice. hold it. I like it. I like the presentation a lot. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, the arena taped episodes versus the ones taped at Universal? See, I'm a bigger fan of like smaller like venues. I just because I like like that independent show feel and that's kind of why I've always liked Ring of Honor. Um, but I mean, it's, it's fine. Like, I guess I don't feel any certain way, but I do like the smaller kind of arena look. Better, or right. Uh, gaming from Canada, which I knew gaming from Canada would say the same blasphemy. Gaming is a great use of time, except stadia though. Can't condone that. Hey, I'll say this after they shut down stadia, they, uh, put out a, uh, a patch for this controller that basically turns it in just to a standard Bluetooth controller works great i've been using it for everything i can use it now in steam and it works just fine for pretty much anything i use it with emulators it's actually the placement of the analog sticks is very playstation-y so if i want to use it for a playstation emulator it's great stuff uh so it's a good controller and now that i have an actual use for it i can actually use it uh, so that's great. But yeah, I, I think as far as the smaller venue is concerned, I think to me, it's just, I would like to see an audience that's there for ring of honor. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you sell AEW tickets, you're going to have more of an AEW audience that's looking for more of a TV based product, um, versus ring of honor, which obviously has lesser known names. And on top mm -hmm. of that is more of a, it's, it's, you know, you're going to get longer matches. It's almost pay-per-view style in the way it presents itself. And so I think when you have an audience that's there for that, that's also prepared for sitting there for five hours, uh, I think that can turn out better for that audience. And I think that's what they need to do with those. Um, we got another one here from GF1. It says that, uh, here we go. Thank you, GF1. It says, for all the CM Punk defenders that claim he's such a good guy, uh, this gonna sound degrading, but most women in the business are rat CM Punk 2005. <sighs> All right, look, I'm not in the mode of like canceling people for stuff said in 2005. Um, we were talking 18 years ago. Uh, also CM Punk was, uh, 
I don't remember the context of that. I remember it being said, and I remember it being said because, surprise, surprise, I've been at this 18 years. Uh, I've been, I was podcasting at that time when CM Punk was running the, uh, the straight edge character in doing the Summer of Punk stuff, Ring of Honor 2005. But either way, I'm the wrong guy to be pulling up old quotes and, uh, and dissecting people's character over them. Um, the only thing I ever want to do with old quotes is ask people, do they stand by that now? Give them a chance to, to not. Because I know that I'm not the same person I was 18 years ago. And I can't imagine anybody on this planet is the same person they were 18 years ago. Um, I but that's because that I was five years old. So thank you for aging me, by the way. I appreciate <laughs> that. I had to. I had to. No, please. Please do. Uh, Pablo says, good afternoon, Will and Haley. I popped for the Sting nostalgia as well as the more cowbell reference. Bold prediction, a, in, uh, a New Japan signed wrestler wins the international title either at Forbidden Door or in the weeks leading up to it. Who could it be? Um, I don't know if wins it, but I think uh, maybe challenges for it. Uh, but I think there's plenty of people just on the roster that you could... Um, have you know with the run that Orange Cassidy's been on I think there's plenty of people on the roster you could end up handing that off to so I'm not uh of the belief that it should be somebody outside the roster but I get why you would want that bored dude says uh don't turn your back on the wolf pack you might wind up in a body bag Sting is the man and we are lucky to still have him around he's better than Taker Look, I believe that because I've been a Sting fan my whole life. I also, as I tweeted yesterday, I literally just bought an NWO Wolfpack shirt, just ordered it online. And so when Sting referenced the Wolfpack and referenced being red and black Sting, gave a shout out to Kevin Nash and a shout out to Scott Hall. Thought that was great. Uh, and so, yeah, that 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 definitely tickled my heart a little bit. But let's talk about uh, the old CM Punk. And uh, Caden, by the way, says, selfishly, I want tapings at Universal. Of course you do, Caden. Yeah, but, but you should get them. I do believe you should get them, Caden. Let's talk about CM Punk. Some rumors going around. Uh, I'll just say that I am of the belief that there is substance to the rumors this time around. Um, that, you know, Sean dropped uh, what I felt was a pretty big story, but I saw some people kind of harping on him saying, this isn't new information. But the idea that Punk is willing to, uh, he's willing to come back and he's willing to work with some people. Um, before Dynamite happened, I maybe heard about uh, some dates and Sean's going to publish some more details about that uh, FightfulSelect.com today. Uh, so I'm not in any position to, uh, I guess, want to steal his, his thunder on that. So I'm not going to do that. But he talked, uh, but I've heard some things around a certain June 21st date. I'd heard that before Dynamite. Um, and some announcements coming from AEW next month uh, that those should be kind of a big deal. Uh, and uh, a lot of it's around stuff that people have been asking about. So that's 
um, look for that next month. But as far as that June 21st date, um, I had kind of, I guess, in cheeky fashion tweeted that, gee, it's been a long time. And I guess you can't really convey tone in a tweet, but I tweeted, gosh, it's been a real long time since AEW's been to Chicago. As a matter of fact, this is the longest stretch they've been without a Chicago show. And everybody responding to it was like, yeah, fuck Chicago. And I'm like, that was, that's not where I was going with that. <laughs> I was kind of trying to imply that maybe a Chicago show is, maybe they're due for one. And uh, no, instead I got a lot of people who are like, yeah, they shouldn't go to Chicago. Chicago sucks. They go to Chicago all the time. And I thought, ugh. I'm just gonna let this tweet sit here and let everybody do what they're gonna do with that one. But the tone I was going for when I tweeted that was more of a, gee, been a long time since there's been a Chicago show. I thought my shrugging emoji like got the emotion there behind that, but I guess not. Uh, and so yeah, there is a uh, there is a Chicago show coming up, Trust Arena, that is kind of become a bit of a second home for AEW in Chicago that, uh, you know, of course, AEW has run the now arena, which they've, which is actually in Hoffman Estates. It's nowhere near. I mean, it's not nowhere near, but it's 30 minutes outside it's Chicago. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's far enough away to where it's going to cost you a lot in a hefty Uber to get, yes. uh, to get anywhere. So, uh, pretty much since Revolution, though, when they want to run main Chicago area, when they want to be in downtown Chicago, they run Wintrust Arena. And then when they have a major event happening, like the First Dance or Forbidden Door, or as rumor has it, this year's All Out, that's when they do United Center. But their kind of go-to is Wintrust Arena. I like Wintrust Arena a lot. I think it is... Uh, I just think it's structurally a very pretty arena is i think it was built in 2017 right i don't even think it's that old um i think based on the ages of the arenas and correct me if i'm wrong chat but i think it's united center is built in 94. the now arena was 2006. wind trust is 07 and the all-state arena which wwe runs is like the 80s right something like that because they used to be the um used to be the Rosemont Horizon, now it's the Allstate Arena, but I'm pretty sure that was built in the 80s. And so um, Wintrust, uh, being a WNBA venue, does have the benefit of being one of the newer uh, arenas. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that's probably a good venue to maybe do some cool things at. Who knows? Uh, but stay tuned to... Um, Fightful Select for stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, I see uh, somebody in the chat said that United was 1994 because SummerSlam 1994 was the first major event there. Yes, I do recall that. Uh, and either way, it's it's Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be some things happening there. Um, is my feeling. That's, that's the rumor going around. And there'll probably be some other details around what ends up happening at that arena as far as uh, a potential return for CM Punk. Haley, how do you feel about this? You know, I'm a big, I'm a big CM Punk fan. So, you know, I feel like at this point, like the dust has settled. A lot of people are over it. 
Um, and I wouldn't be mad about it. I think that he brings a lot of value to AW just in face and name alone. And I do think that there are a lot of stories that I still would like to see him to tell. And I do think that if you can, you should be able to go out on your own terms. And I don't think that, you know, when everything happened, like that was it for him to begin with. So, so I do think that he should get to finish his story how he uh, kind of intended and wants to. Well, I guess we shall see what happens. I don't know if he'll necessarily get to tell his story the way he wants to, um, because at the end of the day, he definitely, in his departure, made some enemies. Um, and there's going to be consequences as far as that's concerned, I think. And the consequences will end up being that there's going to be a probably faction of the locker room that doesn't want to work with him. And I think that... Um, that's just ultimately going to be the case. And hopefully as time goes on, as punk maybe reassimilates into things a little bit more, uh, some of that will start to die down. Some of the, um, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, some of the detractions from CM Punk um, will start to diminish if he can kind of make his way into being uh, a part of the roster again. I feel like I've, I've just always felt like the, uh, and sorry, my group chat's going off with Reg and Phil right now uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because um, there's, there's stuff in there that, that can't be out right now. Uh, but there's, there's definitely laughs to be had. Um, I'm personally of the belief that I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And granted, that's bitten me in the, the rear a lot. Um, that I've been a lot of times called naive because I want to give kind of everyone the chance to prove that they're as good or as bad as they might claim. So to me, I'm like, hopefully he can see the error of what went wrong there. And hopefully everybody involved can see the error of what went wrong there and just move past it and move forward. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, and you could hear it in Tony's voice when he was promoting All Out last year, that the thing he wanted more than anything else was this upcoming roster. He, I believe, said that after All Out, we're going to have the greatest roster ever assembled in professional wrestling. And that could have been a true statement at that time, thinking about the idea of a roster that contained CM Punk, MJF, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Brian Danielson, uh, like thinking about what he was prepared to have in a roster after All Out last year, and he had one show with them, and then all of a sudden it was actually CM Punk's out, got to suspend all three members of the Elite, and that idea of a dream roster even thinking about last year he almost had it last year but kenny was injured uh and now all of a sudden now switchblade jay white is in is in play now now you've since signed you signed swerve last year you signed keith lee last year like there's a lot of other changes kanosuke Takeshita, uh, a lot has been added to that roster but you still don't quite have all of the star elements that he thought he was going to have last year and I, I think that's still the ideal scenario is having this roster with these guys. That just sounds awesome. Mm 
I hope he gets it one day. I do. I I hope to see it just as a fan. But who knows? Who knows if we we just have to see. Speaking of benefit of the doubt. Speaking of giving people chances. Have to talk about another thing that uh, we kind of caught wind of at Fightful a little bit before Dynamite. I like to say, I am not in the business of spoilers. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is one of those like publish this piece of information as close to the show as possible. And then on top of that, um, on Twitter, I was fairly vague. And I know people hate when when wrestling inside people tend to be vague about things. But I'm like, look, I'm not going to spoil things. But all mm-hmm. I'm going to say is that there's going to be a ton of discourse following the show. And... Boy, was I right. I had to log <laughs> I, off. <laughs> oh. So I, I I tweeted about, and guys are bringing up um, Claudio, by the way. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys who have come in that could make, that make this appear to be one of the best rosters ever. Uh, but the, so I had tweeted that there's going to be a lot of discourse. And then I said, just don't feed the trolls on this. They don't actually care. Um, and they're they're concerned trolling. But there's probably an actual discussion that needs to be had. Now, I'm not necessarily the guy to to know if I'm right to have that discussion. Because ultimately, I'm not one of his peers, not one of his family members. Um, I am an outside observer. But I'm, of course, referring to the fact that Jeff Hardy returned on the show last night. Jeff Hardy, of course, uh, was arrested for DUI last year. And he was subsequently, I believe it was an indefinite suspension. And he entered rehab. And uh, I believe Tony's statement even said at the time that his return was contingent on his completion of rehab. Things along those lines. Matt Hardy has talked about how much better he's doing. Um, And... Uh, really quick, I want to address one quick thing. This here, uh, James Jones says, elite is most of the problem, IMO. I mean, in your opinion, the the issue, of course, there is, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what's going on with any of that um, and what necessarily triggered all of that. So I, I, I called out that statement basically to say that uh, I think it's, fully incorrect to pull or to pick a side without knowing all of the details. Cause if you only know what's transpired on screen, you really only know the media scrum from all out last year, the gripe bomb as we've dubbed it. Uh, and some of the details from brawl out. Uh, so the, um, so there, there's that piece of that. But anyway, as far as Jeff Hardy is concerned, Jeff Hardy is back and he is back in play. He is, they've resumed the Hardy boys as a tag team. Um, Sean published some details about this on Fightful Select. And, uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how that all goes. How are you feeling about having Jeff Hardy back? It's look, I love Jeff a lot. 
Jeff is the Hardy Boys are the reason that I fell in love with tag team wrestling and, you know, why I have a show on Fightful Overbooked about it. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I just hope that he's really okay and that, you know, like you said, we, we don't know him personally. We don't know, like, any details or anything like that. But I do, I do wish him well. And I'm happy to see him back. He looks really healthy. He looks good. Um, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a lot about what Moxley said last year about taking things day by day, you know, Moxley talked about his sobriety. And when I say last year, I mean, a couple weeks ago on the, um, Renee podcast, but it was about last year, Mm -hmm. but he talked about why he was working without a contract. And he said, because at that moment he was feeling good. And Mm -hmm. then, but his concern was that he felt like he could potentially fall into bad habits and he didn't know what that meant. Um, and so he didn't want to commit to anything because he's feeling good now, but six weeks from now, he could not be feeling good. And knowing people who have struggled with addiction, I recognize that there is a day by day change that can happen with things Mm -hmm. like that, that in this current moment, Jeff Hardy could be fine. And, uh, and it's like, but if he were to say slip up in six months or even six years, people are going to look back and go, see, we told you he wasn't fine back then. And it's like, but that's, that's how quickly things can change with people. And that's not to say that there wasn't a goal in making sure that he was all right before. And I think that's, things are far uh, when you're dealing with people in addiction, things are far less binary than people think they are. People always just think it's you're either the problem or you're not. You're either a problem or you're not. And if you are a problem, you can never not be a problem. And I think that there is some in between. And that's why I, I'm never one to write anybody off in those instances where, yeah, Jeff Hardy has had uh, numerous, look, I've been doing this 18 years. And when I say I've been doing this 18 years, that means I've seen Jeff Hardy stories pretty much going back to the beginning of my podcast run. And even before that, um, I, I knew about certain Jeff Hardy things. That was kind of just just a, a lot of the stories that surrounded Jeff Hardy, especially through his 20s. And so uh, that is, so like I said, I'm not stupid. I'm not saying that you know, obviously there's, there's pattern behaviors, but I am saying that at this point, let the guy take it day by day. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. And I think people also have to remember that, you know, addiction is a lifelong battle. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you said, you have to take it day by day. Some days are easier than others. And, you know, I just wish him well. I really hope, you know, he's all good. Yeah. Um, and I, I see the point you guys are making in the chat. I, I get that. Um, and so of course those are, uh, those are things that, you know, obviously have to be worked on as far as, um, one staying sober two you know, taking correct measures in terms of not putting yourself behind the wheel, things along those lines. Um, those are things he's going to have to do and things are good. He's going to have to work on. Um, and that's, that's how I, that's how I see anything along those lines. Um, 
But ultimately, I'm not here to make that decision for Jeff as far as whether or not he should be back. But it seems like Twitter has ultimately decided that they are judge, jury, and executioner on everybody. And like again, the world has far more nuance than that. Uh, you can't be. But let's talk about some other things, such as uh, Nelson Muntz. I don't think that's your real name, Nelson. Uh, but at least the Simpsons fan in me knows that it's not. If it is, that's cool. Nelson says, for all American wrestling fans, the only real draws for Wembley uh, on name alone are Sting and Jericho. Most people in Europe have no clue who CM Punk is. Um, okay. That's probably a fact that most people in Europe have no clue who CM Punk is. But I think it's false to say that he wouldn't draw for that building. Uh, And that the goal for drawing to Wembley isn't going to be to draw every European. That's just not plausible. But it is to draw as many wrestling fans as you can. And I think that if you can draw wrestling fans who are of the idea that one of their favorites could be there, then that works. And I think that, uh, again, you're talking about household name versus draw. Those aren't necessarily the same thing. Uh, As long as they will put an ass in the seat, that's somebody that can be considered a draw. And I think that, look, we've seen the numbers that CM Punk does put asses in seats. Um, and so there's that. Yeah. Like, cause I agree with what snap grapple pop says, which is most people don't because wrestling is niche, but most wrestling fans will know who CM Punk is. It's an easy way to look at that, but we had AEW dynamite took place, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There's a couple of production notes. I want to note about the show. First off, did the show sound different to you yesterday? A little bit, but I couldn't like pinpoint why. Uh, there was a change in the mix. Um, and the main thing that you should have noticed right off the bat was that the direct feed of theme music was way louder than it normally is. Mm-hmm. And so the theme songs were almost drowning everything out. You almost immediately hear as the show starts you hear the uh, the Dynamite theme song playing, and uh, you hear commentary trying to talk over it, and they're talking in their normal cadence, but the theme song is almost completely drowning them out. And then Darby Allen's music hits, same deal. Uh, you, it's much louder of a mix than... Uh, uh, you, you hear... Because again, it's the direct feed audio. And so I think a lot of people mistook that for it being um, a lower crowd than usual and not a different mix than usual. Um, but it did legit was. It was, if you're listening to it, you're hearing direct audio to your speakers of Darby Allen's theme. You're hearing direct audio of Swerve's theme to your speakers, which I think for the most part is can tend to be a good thing. WWE uses direct audio a lot, but theirs is definitely better balanced in terms of playing you direct audio and then feeding the crowd audio on top of that. And it sounds like a better mix than feeding it through arena speakers. Um, 
But this week, like I said, it just the music was drowning everything out. It was drowning mm-hmm. out the commentary. I thought it was drowning out the. Uh, I thought it was drowning out the crowd. I thought you really couldn't hear much of anything um, in turn except the theme music and. So that was just kind of hard. And I know that that was apparently um, I talked to some people that said that that was just kind of a production decision that uh, as far as trying to come up with a new balance for the audio. And I think it's just going to take some time to find that right balance because Mm -hmm. um, I think they do need to bring the volume up on theme music. I think that's something people have said uh, they've wanted forever, but it's just, I think in this instance, the music somehow overpowered the show rather than uh, feeling like it was a part of it. So keep working on that is what I'll say. Because I think that's a hard thing to test. I think that's uh, a hard thing to test without having the crowd actually there. Because you can think you have all the right levels and then once you have the crowd in the building, all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this isn't what we needed. Um, So it's going to be a thing that is just going to need to take some time. But I would say... I were AEW, I would err on the side of always bring the crowd audio up because mm-hmm. I think to me, professional wrestling needs the crowd audio more than it needs anything else. But the show kicked off with Darby Allen one-on-one with his longtime rival, Swerve Strickland. We get a little bit of background as far as why this is. We saw Swerve uh, from last Friday's Rampage make his big announcement this is the first time i guess i've gotten to talk about this on day after dynamite that the big announcement was that he has purchased the embassy 51 percent of the embassy and they are now the mogul embassy they didn't have that name on rampage but they made sure to hammer that name into your head this week on dynamite and i i like the fit as far Mm -hmm. as the embassy with Swerve. I think it's a much better fit for him, to be honest, than I thought the Mogul Affiliates were. I I didn't mind the look of the Mogul Affiliates, but I do recognize that uh, there there was work that needed to be done there. I had never seen Trench as a performer, so I was never willing to uh, be the guy to be like, oh, he's awful. I don't know that. Um, I know a lot of people had kind of decided that. They're like, hey, face guy with tattoos, he sucks. And I thought... Okay. I don't know. He's trained with Jay Lethal. Couldn't be that bad, but uh I know he got hurt, so that's that is kind of what it is. Um Parker, on the other hand, I think we did see in the ring. And uh I think kind of everybody's made up their mind about Parker. So uh I don't know what the, the future with Parker holds, but either way. Brian Cage behind Swerve, I think, is just a better fit. And as Fightful Select confirmed, Brian Cage did re-sign with AEW, so this isn't one of those things that uh, where there's any questions as far as what the future holds with him. And, of course, he's going to have the Gates of Agony with him as well. And I freaking love the Gates of Agony. So there's that. And... uh, yeah, and then, of course, there's all the history with Darby and Swerve. If you watched, uh, what is it, Road 2 this week? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you watch that um, the video package for Swerve and Darby? I didn't get a chance, no. It was really good. It was very good. And they it. Talk, 
they talked about their history and going back to the indies and uh i think sort of cut a really good promo on darby basically talking about how there is no darby allen without Swerve strickland he put darby on the map he created darby um in everything he did throughout the indies to torture darby and all of the battles they had those helped make darby the performer he is today so in a way he's dr frankenstein here in a way so here we had Swerve strickland versus darby allen i i thought this match was great i think this was a great opener i thought darby has needed to have this match uh going into his title match and then also we haven't seen swerve on dynamite since was it january 4th mm-hmm. uh when he had the match with ar fox and i thought he was in need of a performer or a performance in front of this audience and i was a big fan i i liked that darby and swerve are kind of there's a style that they're known for and and they could have very much gone for that but i appreciated that in this match they did a little bit of it but i thought that uh telling the story around swerve's ankle was uh or just his foot in general i think gave us a very different match than we've seen between the two of them how did you feel about the match i enjoyed it and you know (laughs) We, get, we got some biting, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the match. And like you were talking about, um, like Swerve's uh, presentation, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I like, uh, like you had kind of mentioned, um, but I like this version of him um, a lot more than what they were doing previously. So I'm definitely excited to kind of see where that goes. But I do agree about Darby kind of needing some steam. And I do think that, Pairing him with Swerve in this capacity was a really good idea, and it made me want to see more of them. Definitely. Good. Um, well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read some super chats because uh, Mac from BK says, "I liked the Mogul Embassy. I knew that Darby had to win as they're building up the pillars, but Swerve shouldn't have been put in that position to lose." Um, I've seen that take a lot, and mm-hmm. in a vacuum, I can say. I don't think that's incorrect. Um, outside of a vacuum, I'll just say wait and see, which I know is a thing people hate to hear. But uh, my gut tells me that there's there's more to that and maybe let that play out. Um, and again, I know that's people's least favorite phrase when they, when they come across something they don't like. Uh, <laughs> and I hate that phrase. <laughs> Um, but in this case, but sometimes it really does apply, you know? Yeah. Well, and there's a story and I mean, there's, there's a story in a couple of ways. Um, I've talked about the fact that my favorite thing in pro wrestling in general, uh, and I'm really glad that Tony has started to adopt this is when a story threads throughout the show, when it's not just uh segment 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 and none of the segments have any relation i like when there's um when there's a theme you know i was a big fan of the dynamite in independence missouri a month ago with you know opening up with the bucks being put on the shelf by the bcc and then in the middle of the show uh you know kenny wanting to go after them and don Callis telling him to focus on singles action and then in the main event uh you have 
Kenny trying to focus on a singles action with Vikingo, but then the Blackpool Combat Club interferes and then Hangman comes in. And like the fact that that story went all throughout the show and uh, was brought up at multiple points, I think is the way I love a professional wrestling show to tell itself. Uh, and, you know, my favorite episodes of Raw have always had a story thread throughout because that's the kind of thing that keeps me interested. And I, I like getting to the end of the show and feeling like, okay, that payoff from the beginning of the show that, or I'm being paid off from the beginning of the show or even the middle of the show. And this week, something different was tried. And that swerve was that theme throughout the show that he opened the show. Then he had the middle segment where he was reminded, I still have some unfinished business. And then at the end of the show, we saw him later and we'll talk about that here. So there's more. Uh, And, but to me, I thought that the, highlight of this show is the segment between MJF, Darby Allen, and Sting. (laughs) This magnificent segment. I think we know what to expect from MJF and things like this. And so it's almost not surprising. But I think Darby has come off very surprising in these segments. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, of course, we had the first one with the Pillars and uh, where they all demanded their title shot and everybody got to say their piece. And I think everybody came away from that surprised that Darby, that Darby really owned that segment, I thought. And Darby really uh, had the most to say. And it was all very pointed. Uh, in this case... I think same deal. Darby going face to face, toe to toe with MJF and fairly holding his own, I think is a testament to how much better he's getting at this and how good he is with this. And I thought this was good. Yeah, I did too. And I think one of the things that I really um, enjoy about Darby is that when he's speaking, like it, it just feels like, oh, that's Darby. Like, it doesn't feel like character Darby. Like, it just feels like Darby the human being. Um, and so I feel like I've always really resonated with kind of the way that he goes into promos. But I've really enjoyed, like, the past two, like you had mentioned. And I do think that, like, this four pillars feud they have going on, um, I think that they're all stepping their game up. Uh, Jack Perry, too. I really enjoyed the last promo that he gave. Um. Yeah, I mean, so what was the last? Oh, yeah, he had the face-to-face with MJF like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, that was actually really good. Pretty much the only person who hasn't had a face-to-face with MJF right now is Sammy Guevara. And mm-hmm. to be honest, and I like Sammy, um, I think he'd get chewed to pieces. Mm-hmm. I think he would be the one to kind of fall apart here. Um, But again, I think there's kind of an expectation that Darby, because he hasn't had much to say, doesn't have much to say. And uh, in this case, I liked everything he said here, that he asked MJF if he's happy. And he said, you know, you said to me six years ago, wrestling in front of 30 people, that when I make it on national TV, I'm going to be happy. But here you are, the same miserable dude that you were back then. And for me, I went to therapy uh, because I didn't want to be this guy who is, you know, fake on the outside, but crumbling on the inside. And he said, I learned that happiness comes when you're, when your people are taken care of. And he talked about buying his parents a house and helping his dad retire. And 
then he segued that well because he was like, and I meant my actual dad, not the guy you call my dad, Sting, because Sting's not my dad, but he's the best friend that I've made in this business, which I also always think is interesting because they're like 40 years apart in age. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. But, like, it is interesting to see Sting make his way into the Pillars feud because all these guys are in their 20s. And in 20 years ago, Sting was, like, not... that To me, 20 years ago... Let's think about this. 20 years ago would be 2003. So, like, Sting was already making appearances in TNA at this point. Um, he was already kind of past his prime and but he he still gets to remind us that he's a legend to this generation um particularly to my generation if you were a wrestling fan and you're in your 30s right now sting is the guy and i love sting here sting making his way to the ring i wasn't sure what was going because like look stings in his 60s yeah. and you know when he grabs the mic he can be good, but he can also be corny. And I wasn't sure what he was about to do. And when he pulled out the pom-poms, I was like, oh, no, don't be corny, Sting. But he turned it around. He said, I'm more like a cheerleader uh, than a daddy. And uh, he threw the pom-poms at him. And then he said that he didn't want to talk about Cody Daycare. And, oh, I'm sorry. Did I not? Was I not supposed to say that name? Cody? Oh, that's right, because you had a cheerleader here, too. Cody Rhodes was your cheerleader. Just like Darby has his, who's me. And uh, he mentioned how, you know, at this stage of his career, he has no desire to become AEW world champion. But he looked over at Darby and he said, but he can and he will. And uh, he said, showtime's almost over, folks. We know that Sting's talked for a while that this is the last year of his career. And uh, and he said for Darby, it's going to be showtime. And then Darby said he's going to win the AEW World Championship. And then MJF spit in his face and walked off. 
It's a little long, but I enjoyed every bit of this. I just think that uh, MJF is, uh, when he gets to do segments like this, I think he delivers when he gets to be pointed with his, um, with his opponents. And I think when he gives a babyface an opportunity to step up, and the babyface did, that always looks good. I think, you know, Ricky Starks kind of had this last year where Ricky Starks was paired in there with MJF. And Ricky Starks, it was basically sink or swim, and Ricky Starks swam. Um, and yeah, Jungle Boy a couple of weeks ago did. I think MJF gets to be a really great litmus test for babyfaces who get to be in this atmosphere. Now, everybody is saying that Sean dropped the uh, the punk story. And I want to be sure of what's in that before I say <laughs> it. Before I, like, blab or talk about things like that. And Sean, I know you tend to be paying attention. So if you want to drop in and give any uh, updates on that, please feel free. Um, and if you want to point anybody in that direction, Sean, again, the floor is yours to do so. So either way, I like this opening segment a lot. I think just everything. I think this first half hour of Dynamite, I looked up and it was uh, 32 minutes in and I went, yep, I am, I am good with this. This was a great way to start the show. I agree. Uh, so we also then saw one powerhouse Hobbs defending his TNT (laughs) title against Silas Young. I thought this was going to be a freaking match. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not get a match here? I mean, I get why I actually, I'll say that I, I, I think powerhouse Hobbs needs more definitive squashes at this stage of his reign. Uh, I've even heard from some people and AEW actually that thought that his first two matches were too competitive, that they thought that maybe he probably should have been more dominant before getting into uh, some, some, I guess, more even grounded matches with guys like Ray Phoenix and Penta. But either way, uh, he, and I guess I was, the part I was kind of put off by was that it was Silas Young. I was like, oh, man, that's his dynamite uh, showing. That's too bad. And you know what's funny is my son said this like a week ago when the first time he saw Powerhouse Hobbs in the car and Billy went, oh, Wardlow's going to destroy that. An eight-year-old picked up that that's where this was going Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh yeah he was like oh it's because they broke into wardlow's car so wardlow's gonna destroy his car this was like two weeks ago and uh sure enough my son was absolutely (laughs) correct 100 percent. this boy is eight and he he got it he as soon as it happened uh i i wanted to Give my son his credit. Uh, 
And hold on, reading a couple of other super chats. Orion Ben six 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 says, "Folks, make sure your vehicle is in park before leaving." <laughs> no, that was the best part. I was a little nervous at first when I saw it moving, but like now I can laugh about it now that I know like everything's good and everybody's okay. Nobody got hurt or anything, but it was the best part of this thing. I mean, no, Wardlow not budging. So what we're, of course, talking about is the fact that Wardlow destroyed Powerhouse Hobbs' car and then he uh, used the forklift to flip it over, but left the car in gear or left the forklift in gear. So when he got out, the forklift then just ran into the car. Honestly, I thought that was great. I think Wardlow not budging and just kind of looking at it and watching it happen, I think, made it even better. I think had he, like, even hesitated for half a second and given, like, an, oh, shit, what did I just do? Would have looked way worse. But the fact that he just didn't care and it just ran off. And then he's like, all right, that's done. And then made his way out to the ring. I thought was great stuff. And then, yeah, let somebody else catch up to it after. Like, if it actually had kept running, let somebody run after that. Uh, so what did you think of this angle, Haley? Well, I really liked the forklift stuff. Um, I thought it was great TV. Um, I guess my only worry with running Hobbs and Wardlow is, is it going to derail Wardlow? more if he loses and like i want hobbs to have a long reign as a champion Mm -hmm. Uh, so then if he loses and wardlow wins are we just gonna get back in like a flip-flop thing with the title so i guess i'm not really down for that either yeah i had that kind of same slight concern because they just announced that the match is happening next week and right now can wardlow afford to lose again uh, is a question. And also, can Hobbs afford to lose this early into his run? And so it is a bit of a lose-lose situation. And I hope they have a smart out uh, for it. Because ideally, I would just have Wardlow win, or not Wardlow, uh, Hobbs win and win clean. But again, like, Wardlow's already lost so much, can he afford another one? So I agree with you in that sense. Uh, I would like to see this feud kind of extend a little bit longer. I'm surprised that they just did this angle and then announced the match. So, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, We got a couple more super chats, and I want to read this one from... uh, Let's see. Hang on. I didn't want to leave this behind. Redman, who says, As a Brit, we need to end this idea that All In needs UK talent or legends to sell tickets. We want to see AEW and the AEW talent. AEW is the draw. What if the Brit they gave you was Baker? I'm sorry. Dad jokes. I'm 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 done here. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's it, folks. That's it for this edition of Damn to Dynamite. Peace. No, uh, but seriously, like, obviously there's going to be um, there's going to be British talent that they're going to to need to showcase. I think that putting Jamie Hayter as the kind of spokesperson for the event is a good idea. I think having her there has been a good idea. Uh, I think putting Pac on the ads is a good idea. But yeah, when people are like, hey, maybe this can be like a hybrid AEW New Japan Rev Pro show. And I'm like, no, like AEW's name is on the marquee for a reason. Um, I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing 
the idea of Will Ospreay being on the show, because I'm seeing everybody kind of saying, hey, what's Will Ospreay going to do here? But I think we kind of should get away from the idea of this being like a forbidden door type show. This isn't that show. It's AEW all in. It's not AEW New Japan all in. It, um, I know people will cite, but the original all in was a show where it was multiple people from multiple promotions kind of coming together. We saw multiple titles on the line um, that were represented in different promotions. Hell, the NWA title was on the line. Cody won the NWA title at that show. I get it from that perspective, but I also see that this is promoted as AEW's first time there. And every slot that you fill with somebody that's not from the AEW roster is a, a chance for somebody from that roster to be missing from it. And I think that the AEW roster deserves the opportunity to sell this show on their own. Now, there's certain guys that are a part of the AEW roster, like CM Punk. He is a part of that roster. He should be. Uh, and uh, that's... That so that's one where I can see him being a part of it, but for the most part, I agree. I think the show needs to be sold on the AEW roster. And thank you, everybody, for booing my <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, so let's see. Hunter says, Last night's dynamite was actually really good. I read reports that Jeff was backstage, but I had no clue he was going to be on the show. I sincerely hope we get the Hardys as world tag team champs before their career is over. Um, I I don't know if I want them as tag champs. I know they were supposed to win it last year. But, uh, okay, so the story's out. So, Haley, go ahead and talk to the audience for a second while I make sure I don't say anything stupid here. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, let's not do that. All right. Let's chat. see. Um, all right, this is mostly all right. It's all stuff that I knew. We're good to talk about it. Um, I don't know if we're great to talk about it per se, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like so, that. <laughs> <laughs> either way, uh, let's see. I'm punks to return that show, or at least around it. Yeah. So, uh, again, just subscribe fightfulselect.com there's some good details there and uh again punk's return is i mean you see the title of the story cm punk's return tentatively planned by aew i think that look if you go back to this show going back to september that john alba sitting next to me on this show mm -hmm. and my feeling back then was that cm punk he was eventually, I, I've always felt like cooler heads would prevail. Now, I'm not of the belief that the cooler heads have prevailed yet. I don't necessarily know that all of those details are fully ironed out at this moment. I don't know that everybody's happy that CM Punk is coming back. But I think that at this point, he's a guy that's signed to your roster. He is a part of the roster. He is a part of All Elite Wrestling. Uh, and at this stage... Moving forward while continuing to pay him, I think, is is not a good idea. So maybe some people are going to be happy that Punk's back. Maybe some people aren't. Uh, 
Uh, but regardless, I think you should make money off of every single one of those things. And I saw somebody say CM Punk has never taken responsibility for anything in AEW. Uh, I don't know. Give him an opportunity to. Uh, or again, and again, this might just be me being naive because this is the way I look at people. This is how I always operate. I always give people the benefit of the doubt. And granted, like I said, I have been bitten many, many times by people I shouldn't have trusted. So, uh, but that's just the way I'm always going to operate. The, and give me just a second. I am trying to pull up a super chat here that is actually related um, because David Reed says, Punk won't change. Tiger never changes his stripes. It's a good thing we're talking about human beings and not tigers here. That's true. That's true. Uh, so what else happened on, on Dynamite? Again, keep reading. Uh, and I see somebody say, put Punk on the ROH brand. I promise you for what CM Punk is being paid. Ring of Honor does not make enough money to justify that. And that's not even like an insult. Literally, Tony Khan was even talking about that when, uh, who is that? Steve Fall in the media scrum asked if Goldberg was going to be in Ring of Honor at some point. And he, Tony Khan kind of gave an answer of, no, he doesn't fit the model of what Ring of Honor is. Now, maybe CM Punk can make an appearance there, but that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, so... We got the announcement of a new Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. Bullet Club Gold. Jay White announced uh, that he is in AEW. and uh, I mean, we knew he was in AEW, but he made his intentions known in that him and uh, Juice Robinson are now Bullet Club Gold. I don't know. What do you think of this, Haley? It sounds like, like a subscription to something, you know? <laughs> Like, when I heard him say it, I was like, it sounds like a subscription. Like, that's all I could think about, like, the whole time. I don't know. See, my thought, unfortunately, was uh, <laughs> um, Global Force Gold from 10 years ago when Jeff Jarrett tried to uh, launch Global Force Wrestling, but then did the whole Global Force Gold thing. And uh, that turned out to kind of just be another one of those gold collection schemes. Um, I don't know how I feel about Bullet Club continuing in AEW separate from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think that what's interesting to me about Bullet Club was that in 2016, as you know, there was a big sub-faction of the Bullet Club called the Elite. And they became uh, kind of the most important part of the uh, the Bullet Club through the years that they were tied to the Bullet Club. And it was only in 2018 that the Elite broke off from the Bullet Club. But literally, it was basically the Elite members of the Bullet Club were the Elite. And you had, and you know, it started as just the Bucks and Kenny and then... They brought in Hangman, they brought in Cody, they brought in Marty. Uh, and again, sub-faction of the, the Bullet Club. But I said all this to say that you kind of got, at that time, 
I'm the most important part of the Bullet Club. Like at that point, it wasn't like anybody goes, "Oh, you, well, you got the elite to help start this company. You don't have Bad Luck Fale and Tamatanga." Like that wasn't anything anybody was saying. And granted, I think Bullet Club did a great job of rebooting with Jay White as leader. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt, I suppose, or at least I'm gonna wait and see. But I'm of no desire to see Bullet Club continue when AEW is already so faction heavy. I agree. I'm going to stay cautiously optimistic, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, I feel the same. Uh, and again over there. Yeah, it's actually all. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, wrestling stuff. And it's good. Um so it's 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 all all good. And I just see ratings are out and they look very similar to last week. It's almost like somebody sent out last week's email, but it's not the case. So uh continuing with the show, we got a friggin' burner. International title on the line. Buddy Matthews versus Orange Cassidy. I thought this was the type of match I've needed to see Orange Cassidy have for a while. I like Orange Cassidy matches. I do. But I think that Orange Cassidy, I've wanted to see him have a little bit more of a personal feud for a minute. And I think that, um, granted, while I don't think that this is necessarily going to be more of a personal feud, um, I'd like seeing him in peril with Buddy Matthews. I like seeing Buddy Matthews uh, taking over Orange Cassidy the way he did and Orange Cassidy basically surviving Buddy Matthews. Um, I think that this was hotly intense. I think that they got the crowd uh, into it and... I think this is one of those performance buddies even needed to have since coming to AEW. Um, what did you think? I, I I was over the moon about this, but how did you feel about this match? I was too. I really enjoy kind of seeing Orange Cassidy as like, like a fighting champion. Like he's always coming out of his matches with like some kind of like injury and it's being worked into like the next match and into the story. Um, so I like that they, they kind of played on that. Um, buddy did like going right after uh you know the hand and stuff yeah so the hand was a big focus of this match mm -hmm. and you know they even had the the trainers take a look at his hand before they continued the match and uh um they had then buddy basically go in and work the hand over the entire match and it seemed like at every turn that orange cassidy had the match won buddy had an answer for him and uh, buddy was was really kicking the shit out of orange cassidy here to the point of where buddy even kicked out of an orange punch because in this case when you've worked over the hand which is what orange needs for the orange punch uh that allows or that that makes for good storytelling that makes for good drama and so, you know, an orange punch that isn't as effective because Orange's hand has been worked over. And at the same time, he's also kind of stalling. I thought I was into this. I think this was all great storytelling. And 
but Buddy goes to hit Murphy's Law, but Orange Cassidy reverses it into a mousetrap. One, two, three. Orange Cassidy just barely survives Buddy Murphy with, or sorry, Buddy Matthews. I keep saying Buddy Murphy. I've said that multiple times, haven't I? Buddy Matthews. He has survived Buddy Matthews with the uh, the international title in hand. I like this a lot. I do too. And I, I like pairing uh, him and Buddy together because I think that Buddy has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle with the House of Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was a really good showing for him too. Well, the next segment was interesting because, you know, of course, we had heard that Jeff Hardy was backstage. But as I went up and down the show segment-wise, I thought, where the hell does Jeff Hardy even fit on this show? Where Was, was he going to interview in the Blackpool Combat Clubs match? That doesn't make any sense. What does Jeff Hardy have to do with anything? And then I see Ethan Page in the ring, and I went, ah, there it is. And... <laughs> Uh, Ethan Page talks about the contract that was signed, uh, and Matt Hardy confirms that when Ethan Page signed that contract, Matt Hardy had it slipped in that the uh, that if he lost and did not gain the FTW title, that would free Isaiah Cassidy. Well, he kept he said private party. They kept saying private party, so at least they're keeping Mark Quinn's name alive through all of this in a way. But he said that that freed private party and Matt Hardy from uh the clutches of the firm and that he gets to decide on a match uh with who and where it takes place and then uh out come the firm they jump matt hardy and isaiah cassidy then out comes hook for the save but he gets jumped and they're continuing to beat them down and then jeff hardy's music hits mm-hmm. Doesn't dance to the ring this time, but he's got no dance. But he has a chair with his face painted on it. He takes everybody out. He hits a swanton uh, on Lee Moriarty. And they clear the ring, and they are happy. The Jeff fans are into this. Jeff Hardy's back. People are excited. Again, we talked about some of the controversy around this idea that Jeff Hardy's back. But how did you feel about the segment? I liked the segment um, for a while because um, I was seeing stuff online about like Hook and like Ethan Page, um, and I was like, "Huh, wouldn't it be interesting if like they actually aligned?" And Hook came out, and I got a little scared. I was like, "Oh no!" But then I saw him beaten, you know, up in the ring, and I was like, "Okay, we're good. Hook is safe." I'm a big, I'm a big Hooker fan, um, big Hooker, um, but. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked seeing, um... Hey, whatever floats your boat. Um... <laughs> I said it, and I was like, that's, 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 yeah. It's, you know, it's a thing that I said. But I stand by it, so. Uh, sorry, I'm reading a little bit more into the, uh... <laughs> okay, as long as, because I see people talking about it in the chat. And I was like, I don't recall seeing the detail about the soft roster split uh, possibly being in play uh, 
but I see people in the chat talking about that. So I was like, I should probably make sure that's in the story. It is in the story. That is something that's been talked about. That is something that's been rumored. And I guess now that that's out there, that's a thing we can come around to discussing and seeing if that's uh, something that is is feasible. I don't know that it is, but that all depends on how the show how the shows play out. Blackpool Combat Club took on Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Uh, this, by the way, the third time that Michael Nakazawa has faced John Moxley on an AEW Dynamite. It's an interesting tidbit. Yeah, th- this has pretty much every time John Moxley has been in a rivalry with Kenny Omega, which this is now their third rivalry, Michael Nakazawa has somehow ended up in a match with John Moxley. They face each other one-on-one. Uh, they have, they face each other in tag matches. And now here we are, they're facing each other in another tag match, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa. This match was short, but damn, this was actually sweet. And let me tell you why. There are so many ways this match could have played out. Mm-hmm. But Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler are basically known as stooges for the elite. We know that Brandon Cutler will get his ass beat by anybody you put in front of him. We know that Michael Nakazawa is Michael Nakazawa. He is uh, a bit of a geek in that regard, but he is he's Kenny's... Uh, kind of lap dog and by the way we did get the the kenny omega promo from his house talking about the vengeance and we we got that shot of don Callis's injury oof but man there were so many cool things here one uh i agree with the chat bloodying brandon cutler was a visual i didn't realize i needed because brandon cutler being bloody under his mask and seeing the clear mask Pull up with blood is such a cool visual. Also, everybody no-selling his punches was also great. This was just a serious, good beatdown of Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Now, one might ask the question, why the hell, if the Elite were in the building, would they have let this happen to their friends for this long? It was only a three-minute beatdown, but that's like three minutes too long uh, when you think about the fact that Kenny was actually there and the Bucks were actually there. I was surprised to see Matt Jackson. But uh, thank you, Pile Driver Finisher, for that, uh, for, for pointing that out. Uh, I would probably just use my, my mute button for that. But uh, just talking about this being short and sweet and really telling the story of how dangerous the Blackpool Combat Club is, but thinking about Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler wanting to stand up for their friends, I actually did like this. And, uh, of course, we knew who was going to get the victory. They did. How did you feel about this? So I... I was interested to see how it was going to go. Cause like you said, it could have went a lot of ways. Um, I was like, it's either going to be like a 30 second squash or like 
they're going to get a little bit of offense or something. Especially, um, I mean, I watch BTE, so I saw, like, Cutler doing, like, training and stuff mm-hmm. uh, on BTE. Uh, so I was really interested to see how it was going to play out. I, I liked the match. I liked the bloody Cutler and the mask. I thought that that was cool. Um, but I... I was interested to see who was going to come out and make the save because I figured somebody was going to. I was like, are we going to get Hangman with like an eye patch? I was not expecting to see Kenny. I was expecting to see the Bucks. Um, I mean, you should have expected to see the Bucks because you watched. (laughs) Well, that and if you watch the end of BTE, they they saw what happened to Hangman Mm -hmm. and they decided to get up off their couches and. I think the implication was always that they were on their way to dynamite. Uh, but yeah, Kenny's music hit first mm-hmm. and Kenny distracted them on the stage while the bucks then came in from behind hit, uh, hit a super kick. And then Kenny uh, grabs the toolbox from under the ring and they hand him a screwdriver and he runs at Moxley with it stabs the turnbuckle this was a callback by the way Mm -hmm. for those who might be new to aew or just don't remember things from four years ago kenny and moxley had a match at full gear 2019 uh it was an unsanctioned lights out match in which we saw this exact spot. We saw the spot where they grabbed the screwdriver, ran at the turnbuckle, and jabbed it into the turnbuckle pad. It happened exactly in that fashion, almost the exact same turnbuckle, at at Full Gear 2019. This was a callback to the old Moxley and Kenny feud from the beginning of AEW. And you could see it in Mox's face, too. I think he was having a little bit of PTSD from that moment. (laughs) Yes. So uh, I thought that was a great callback. I thought that that was one of those, like, little Easter eggs of, oh, thank you for that. I appreciate the reference to the the match that actually got AEW fined in the state of Maryland (laughs) because uh, that match was that violent. So, uh, we got a super chat here. RH says, starting late, give me Keith Lee versus the Embassy. Lee versus Brian Cage. V versus Toa Leona. Lee versus Khan. Lee, uh, yes, please. Then Keith Lee versus Swerve at Double or Nothing. You can do all of that. Hell. Uh, I mentioned on Grapsity this week that there's other stories you could tell here that if you guys remember... Uh, what pay-per-view was that? Final Battle. It was Swerve and Keith Lee, Swerve in Our Glory, versus uh, Shane Taylor Promotions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Keith Lee's history with Shane Taylor Promotions was brought up. There happens to be one member of the Mogul Embassy, one Bishop Khan, who was also a member of Shane Taylor promotions that you can kind of tie all of that together and maybe tell a story of Keith Lee needing to recruit STP to take on Swerve and the embassy. And where does Bishop Khan's loyalties lie? Uh, lie. He tweeted when he first joined the embassy that 
he still got love for Shane Taylor and Shane Taylor promotions, and that's who put him on the map. But there's a lot you can do with that. And you can honestly, like, then kind of transition that into a Ring of Honor feud between Shane Taylor promotions and, uh, and the embassy for the six-man titles. So there's things you can do with that, and I think they should play with that as much as they can. Uh, anyway, we then saw a women's tag match. The newly All Elite Sky Blue teaming with Ruby, or teaming with Riho to take on Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. <sighs> Glad we had the same reaction there. Yeah. I feel like I'm in Groundhog's Day with this feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked last week, I think, Riho and Jamie Hayter tore the house down. But God, this feud feels like it's the same things over and over and over. And Jesus Christ, pin somebody other than Sky Blue. I, I get it that, that everybody else needs to be protected, but you literally just all elited Sky Blue. Do something. I even got excited at the idea that, hey, next week, they're in Britsburg. Britt Baker, no, granted, she's not 100%, but Britt Baker is in her hometown, a place where she's before defended the title against uh, against Red Velvet. Like, we've seen other things being done with Britt Baker. And when they announced that it's just a tag match, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, Versus Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. I let out the biggest sigh because you guys don't have any other ideas. I feel like these tag matches and everything that's being done in this feud all feels like it's on repeat. Especially with like the run-ins too. Like I, I want mm-hmm. so, like I, I'm tired of the run-ins. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, they're all going the same way. The matches, you can almost set your watch by. Sky Blue will be pinned. There'll be a beatdown after the fact. They'll spray an L on somebody. And then in will run either Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, whoever's going to make the save. They clear the ring, and that's it. Do something else. Do anything else with this feud. I'm to... waiting. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm waiting for something else to happen. I don't even want new people, because I keep seeing people going, well, maybe they'll bring in Sheeta to this feud. Not if you're not going to do anything new. This feud needs something else. Yes. I mean, especially when you have so many, like, heavy hitters involved in this feud and women that have carried your company. Riho, Britt, Jamie, your current champion, Tony, and then you have Soraya, who, you know, she brings a lot of credibility with her name and her presence, but it just feels like everything is just on repeat. <laughs> yeah, I I want more, um, and I love everybody involved here. Mm-hmm. I just want to see them doing literally anything else. I I even thought that hey, maybe a surprise pin from Sky Blue with some new confidence because she's all elite now would be. Uh, kind of a nice way to to get her started. Mm-hmm. No, but it's not doing anything different. And uh, I was optimistic when they added Ruby Soho that hey, at least some things are going to get chat or changed up because 
we have a new heel on that side now. And I thought her promo after Double or Nothing was good. And then I just feel like nothing's happened since. And I want something to happen. Do anything, guys. I don't think I can handle it. And that. then... <laughs> well, like I said, next week, we have another tag match. Uh, what's happening there? But yes, and then we had in our main event of the evening. Well, before we get to that, we had a backstage segment. Swerve Strickland was backstage. He was asked about how angry he was over the loss to Darby Allen, And uh, Prince Nana responded that, angry this we got what we wanted and sort of mentioned how he created darby allen and so darby beating him proved that it worked that uh that's a victory for swerve and then he mentioned how but wait a minute we've got some unfinished business still don't we hoodies up and they walked away what did that mean i think everybody kind of knew Keith Lee, one-on-one with Chris Jericho. Keith Lee, of course, in his new look. First time wrestling on Dynamite with a new look. He has a beard that's fully gray. Uh, All right. I've seen mileage varying on this match. I've seen a lot of criticism of Keith Lee since this match took place. I will start with you, Haley. How did you feel about the match? There was criticism? Like a lot of criticism? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of criticism on uh, Keith Lee and his performance in particular. I want your opinion first. I'll give what some of the thoughts are on it, and then I'll talk about what I thought. You first. I guess I'm in the minority. I liked I liked the match. I'm happy that we get to see Keith Lee on Dynamite again. Um, I, I missed him. Um, you know, I I liked the match. I didn't know that there was that there was some controversy here. Uh yeah. I mean, if you look at it, it's pretty much up for debate. If you look at it on Cage Match, the match currently has a four point nine four rating um, out of ten. And it's the people have just varying opinions. There are people who have given it an eight, thought it was great. Some people thought it was kind of middle of the road, six. And then there are people who are who gave it low threes, who are just really, really harsh on Keith Lee. Uh, and it all has there have been varying opinions on the match. There's been pretty much a lot of discussion on Keith Lee. Uh, since the match took place, Twitter has kind of lit up about um, conditioning. Uh, I'm feeling like Keith Lee seemed uh, seemed sluggish and slu- or sluggish in the match, and I'm even seeing people in our chat saying that Keith felt very slow in the match. And coming from a longtime Keith Lee fan, a lot of standing around. Uh, I. I liked the story that the match was telling. And I liked the story of Chris Jericho basically not having a whole lot of answers for what Keith Lee brought to the table. I thought that um, I really liked the moonsault spot onto Jericho's knees. But Jericho's, what are knees going to do for Keith Lee? Like they still just smashed Jericho's knees. Yeah. Um, I 
uh, I liked that again. It felt like Keith Lee didn't seem to have, uh, or Chris Jericho just didn't seem to have an answer for a lot of what Keith Lee was doing. Um, but I do agree that the match felt slow. Uh, but that said, I don't think it was unenjoyable as a result of it. Mm-hmm. But I can see the idea of people thinking it was slow. Now, the match nearly ends with Chris Jericho having, or Keith Lee having the match won. Mm-hmm. He does hit a, a spirit bomb on Chris Jericho after Chris Jericho attempts a code breaker and he reverses it into it. But then Daniel Garcia, of course, being at ringside, distracts the ref as Daniel Garcia gets ejected in run swerve and uh, he hits Keith Lee upside the head. Um, allowing Chris Jericho to get the victory. So therefore, Swerve, Strickland, and Keith Lee is a feud that's going to continue and make its way into double or nothing. Um, We've got some opinions of the chat, and I'm curious what the chat has to say about all of that. Orion Ben 666 says, I was rooting for Keith Lee uh, to Cole Pounce Jericho. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that would have been dope. Speaking of which, Adam Cole came out after the show and did the exact thing that Chris Jericho did to Adam Cole two weeks ago, helping Keith out of the arena and uh, looking back at him while his music played. We got, uh, let me make sure I hit every super chat. I promise you guys, I am not going to leave a super chat behind. Um, Eloquent says, Will, who do you main on Capcom versus SNK? Came right behind me. Um, so Blanca has been my main in pretty much every Street Fighter game that he's available in. So I usually have a team that consists of Blanca. If I'm just going like Street Fighter mode, I'll do Blanca and Akuma. And then I'll usually balance it to where I give my three to Blanca and then a one to Akuma. Um, and But then I also like Terry. Terry's always good. Uh, but usually whatever team I put together has to include Blanca. That's, that's like a, an absolute must for me and pretty much any street fighter game. I'm a Blanca guy. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So show goes off the air with Swerve Strickland having gotten one up on Keith Lee and bringing that story back up. I feel like he was the thread throughout the show. Uh, and Adam Cole and Chris Jericho is going to continue. I liked this show. I don't... uh, I've seen some negativity around the show. I've seen some really harsh criticism of the show. But I walked away from the episode going, you know what? This had a couple of matches I really liked in Darby Allin versus Swerve and Orange Cassidy versus Buddy Matthews. And then on top of that, uh, I liked that it had a story thread throughout. And my favorite angle in AEW right now in House of Black versus, uh, not House of Black, um, Blackpool Combat Club, excuse me, not a house, we're talking about a club, but the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite got to continue. So overall, I was happy with the episode. Uh, and that's just, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily, like, I'm not going to go, oh, this is one of the best episodes of Dynamite of the Year. Hell no way. But, uh, because they've had some great episodes, especially back in January. But was this a good show? I thought it was, especially the first hour. I thought that the first hour really came through. Really liked the uh, the Sting, Darby, and 
and MJF segment. This this was an episode. However, how did our viewers, uh, how many viewers tuned in, I guess, is the better question. So, AEW Dynamite ratings are in, per usual. And here, again, I joked that it looked about the same as last week's. Uh, and let me be sure that's the thing that is accurate. Uh, but, let's see. Dynamite. All right. So, what last week did what? Last week was 877. And this one was 866. So, um, almost a negligible difference, um, down 10,000 viewers, uh, they did a 0.28 in 18 to 49. I think last week was a 0.3 and let me be sure of that last week was a 0.3. So, uh, down in both regards, it came in at number six, which again, it was last week and it was outranked by, uh, Vanderpump Rules, which it always is, and the two NBA games last week, the two play-in games. Speaking of which, I don't know if the Nuggets dodged the bullet, folks, or not, but it looks like the Nuggets are either going to be playing the, uh, what is it, the Timberwolves or the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Let me tell you, folks, I'm pretty good with either one of those two. So, uh, we're going to see this week. I don't know. Uh, David Reed said things were set in motion for double or nothing. That's how I feel. I said, I tweeted that last night. I thought we're six weeks out from double or nothing. And this is kind of the soonest that things have felt in motion for double or nothing. Uh, you know, one of the criticisms that tends to get thrown at Tony is that a lot of the pay-per-view build tends to come up very close to the pay-per-view like sometimes we're two weeks out and they're just throwing matches on the show but uh and you know what well yeah i see nuggets are frauds and guess what you're gonna be putting time out for that uh because i don't play about the denver nuggets that's my team do i think the the denver nuggets are gonna win an nba championship this year hell i kind of have to don't i uh but I I will be rooting. Look, this is Nuggets territory here on Day After Dynamite. I'll be rooting for the Nuggets all week long. Or all week long. All postseason, I mean. And this weekend, we'll see how things go in game one. Haley, make some plugs. Boy, okay. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Haley at underscore. Uh, you know, I... I do podcasting on Fightful Overbooked as well with Kylie, my co-host. We do Tag Talk at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. Um, yeah, I do like writing and stuff on the side. So if you guys are into like nerdy stuff, uh, I do stuff over at Nerds and Beyond. Um, yeah, I'm also working on a cookbook. Uh, it's called Eating the Indies. It's for it's featuring a lot of independent um, wrestlers. I'm doing all the bios and stuff for all of that. So if you guys are interested in that, if there is a wide release, I will post it on my Twitter. But yeah. That sounds great. It's 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 a really fun project. Uh, you know, I'm happy that I get to do it. I love cooking and I love writing. So and wrestling. So it's like all my favorite things combined. 
Well, Haley, thank you for doing Day After Dynamite this week. We'll be back next week, per usual. Where is next week's show? Next week's show is Pittsburgh. That should be an interesting one. Um, and yeah, we'll see how things go. Again, FightfulSelect.com has a lot of details on what's uh, the latest on CM Punk and uh, when and where he'll be back. Again, I would say pay attention to that June 21st show they just announced. Uh, and that's that. Otherwise, folks, we will see you next time. And all you Go Suns people in the chat, hold up here. All you Go Suns people. Look, I know. I know that the Suns are exactly who the Nuggets need to be afraid of. I do. I fully know that, knowing that uh, pretty much since Kevin Durant signed with the Phoenix Suns, that's who the Nuggets need to fear. I know that. But I have faith in my team. I have faith in the reigning MVP. I have faith in Jamal Murray. I have faith in Aaron Gordon. Michael Porter Jr., eh, I I don't have faith in him, but I have hope. If that team can find what they found pre-All-Star, the way that they were playing pre-All-Star break, I think they are the team to beat. If they can't find that again, because we know post-All-Star, I think, what, they lost 10 out of 17 games. Um, It could turn out to be an issue. We shall see. But either way, I am going to be rooting for my team. We'll, We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great day. Peace.